Welcome to the Neoborn and Andy a Human Show! Welcome, welcome, welcome! Uh, welcome, Jim. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, thank you, Neoborn. So, um, yes, we need to ask you right now, me, myself, and I, and the rest of the gang, just in front of the red curtain, and if you know, this is a reference to... Twin Peaks, yes, you guessed it right. Every American Hollywood movie was filmed not in Los Angeles, not in America, but in Canada. Well, many people believe that's still America because that's 52nd country, yeah? The Twin Peaks and the X-Files, everything is there. The beautiful locations around Vancouver. So what is the weather there? Because now it's global boiling. We have to fear. We have to go crazy. We have to praise Trudeau to save us. What's going on? Well, Vancouver has a reputation of being a climate best suited for ducks because it rains a lot. But what people don't know is the uh, about uh, four months of the year, we have a serious problem with drought that we don't get rain. So there's been a lot of forest fires and that's obscured the the sunlight a little bit. And um, But rain came in yesterday. So Vancouver is a lovely place in the summer and also because it's far enough north that it's um, in July, it's light out until 10 o'clock at night. And so it's a beautiful summer, but not not a great winter. <laughs> I see. Uh, well, you know, I just read an article what said that at Vancouver Island or something like that, there were a lot of forest fires early this year, 46. And after the careful examination, the authorities said all the 46 were arson. I'm not an expert on that. All I know is that we need more rain in the summer and a lot less rain in the winter. Or, if you just think of that, Texas used to be the bottom of the ocean and Antarctic used to be a wetland. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> so, if you just think of that, maybe soon you will have kiwi and bananas plantation. <laughs> After all, your southern neighbor is the, or the United States of bananas now. So. <laughs> Okay, so I know a lot about uh, the people who are amazing in Canada, not just the most well-known figures, but great documentary filmmakers, fantastic scientists, and everyday people. And what I understood is that they are proud, but not the wrong way. So they are just happy to be a part of something. And they have local pride and they have extended pride. And I like when it is not about the maple syrup. And I also understand that a lot of corporations started to misuse your country and abuse the landscape in the name of profit and whatsoever. And before, and we will talk about this soon, before these uh, shiny guns started to happen a couple of years ago in the name of we protect you, that it was a little bit less easy for them to take over. And now it seems people have no way to say no to anything, what happens to them, around them, and well, against them. Maybe it's the wrong perception. So how do you feel about that? Well, I, I've, I'm 64 years of age, so I've been around Canada for a long time to be somewhat of an authority on it. And it remains a beautiful country. It's a country where people feel relatively safe. And um, there's a lot of natural beauty, obviously, not that many people for the size of the country. 
it's very much a democracy and we have great health care and education and so forth. The thing that saddens me is that it's changing, that in, in, in recent years, if not recent decades, but certainly in recent years, the Canes are seeing that we're losing some of, some of the freedoms that we took for granted, that, that Canada is not the, as happy, it's still a happy place, but not as it was that people are being divided. And one of the reasons being divided is because the, the leadership in Canada thinks the way to get votes is to go after, this is the political left, is to go after all the minority factions, all the different special interest groups, um, and uh, do what it can to, to empower them. And uh, being a zero-sum game, it means just taking away from from the majority, and and I have nothing of myself. I think it's wonderful to see everybody thrive in Canada. But I always thought Canada was best when everybody had an equal opportunity, when excellence and merit and fair play. And now it's it's different. Now one has to uh, one has to put certain groups on a on a higher plane, because apparently in the past Canada was this bad place where we treated people in a, in a racist way and, and, uh, and with our indigenous people, with our native people, we are par- apparently we're really horrible with them. And therefore we have to give them lots of special rights today to the point where there's open season um, on, uh, on people with my demographic, people who look like me. And, and I think it's just ridiculous. And, and I know, Neil, um, born that you are of Hungarian ancestry and, and I know um because I went to school with many Hungarians, that um, they were very happy to come to Canada because they're able to come and prosper in this great land. And I'm not sure if it would be so easy today because people have lost sight of the, the basic things that people need, and uh, including being able to afford a place to, to live in and, and, and be able to just be treated fairly. So we've come, we've come hit a situation in our country's evolution where we're feeling this is the communism that people escaped, where where the idea is all of a sudden we have to reinvent this group equality that people tried to do 100 years ago with to brutal effect. And, and therefore, if you've got one group who's overrepresented in jail or less successful in school or um, maybe has a higher suicide rate or whatever, then what we need to do is we need to address that. And, and, and not only I'm, I'm, I course question doing that because I think um, certain groups succeed more than others for reasons that have nothing to do with government policy. And I don't think government policy can change that. For example, as, as in my role as a teacher, uh, the kids from China do very well. And it's not because people like them more or like them less. It's because they are good at school and they have a lot of parental support and work hard and so forth. So my, my own story is pretty outrageous and I'd be happy to quickly uh, summarize it if you want. Yes, actually, I, I was meaning to ask you that in the social media and also in some of the other medias, the normal newspapers, there's a story about you and uh, I feel it's beyond unrighteous uh, what happened to you and uh, you mentioned the word communism, the word that I think people these days tend to treat too lightly, and they 
deem communism less bad than fascism, which is just crazy and a blatant lie if somebody learns history the right way. On the other hand, is it true that not exactly the few big bad wolf people or, you know, their handlers were bad uh, with you, but the servants, the compliers, the serfs who, who for perceived or real gain they acted on their own right to be enough good for their new idols, their new faith believers. Because if it is so, I don't know, you tell me, then that is communism. I do know that it's um, it requires a compliant society, that the um, the things that happen that, that are bad wouldn't happen if people rose up against them. I love the saying from the British philosopher Edmund Burke, all it takes for the triumph of evil is for good men and women to do nothing. My oh, yeah. story is, is, is not a particularly, it's not a, a story of great interest to many people perhaps, but it is to me a, a symbol or a sign of what's happening in Canada that I lost my teaching job because I was insisting on telling the truth. Can you define that? what was the truth, what people didn't want to accept from you? Well, I, I, with, with honor, and thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. So, And there has been some resonance in my story just in the last couple of days. I was featured in a couple of uh, British, a British documentary and then another um, a British, um, on another British platform. So I, my story is, is, has reached outside of this little neighborhood where I live and near Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. So what Canada wants desperately do right now, and this is the new image of Canada, is to have equal group outcomes. So one of the group that is the least successful in educationally as well as socially or economically is our Indigenous people, the people that were here long before Europeans came and others. And obviously there's some sadness to that because they, they met a a civilization. They met a, a military and economic social organization in the form of the British Empire, for example, which was just more advanced. And and they lost out in Canada and now is what, what it is. And the world, of course, is full of migrants from all over the place. And Canada is no exception. Um, but so what instead of as what was happening when I was young, to try and, and, and address the problems in Indigenous communities that would make life better for them. Uh, for example, having removing drugs and, and, and creating more economic activity and allowing people to have private property and, and, and manage their own things and, and remove corrupt chiefs who tend to hoard the wealth in the community. Anyhow, there's lots of things that one can do to make life better for Indigenous people. And, and, and to integrate them better into Canadian society. But that's not the way that our government, particularly under the last almost decade under a guy named Pierre Trudeau, um, sorry, Justin Trudeau, his son of Pierre Trudeau. Oh, the dad and the son, the apple doesn't fall far from Yeah, the but they, with Trudeau, he was a guy that, Trudeau Sr., since I had that Freudian slip, he was a, a guy that really wanted to have relationships with communist dictators like Mao and, and uh, of course, Castro. And so a lot of people joke about Justin being 
Castro Jr. Well, there is a very uncanny resemblance, to be honest. And and I, I, I don't disagree with that. And, and I think they rule the same way. But what Trudeau said about Trudeau Jr., what he said about China was he admired its, quote, basic dictatorship. So this is the guy that's been running Canada. So what happens right now, and just for me, just an ordinary person who goes about the job of teaching young people, that we are supposed to create this new class of people, the indigenous people, everything they say and do is supposed to be exalted. It's amazing. And, and everything about people like me, which is white-skinned people who are presented in, in this manichaean, this simplistic, reductive way is, as bad, has to be presented in a negative way. So here I am in a classroom teaching kids about a story that went around the world almost two and a half years ago, that Canada had mass graves of children at residential schools, native, indigenous, aboriginal children, whatever one wants to call them. And, and they were killed by their teachers, by their Christian teachers. And no, ev- everybody was afraid because Canada's got this new sort of atmosphere that if you step out, if you are off script, if you are not forwarding this narrative about white Canada bad and everybody else good, then you can get in trouble. But when I say white Canada or European Canada, I don't care about my skin color. I don't, I, I care only about the fact that I think people should be treated fairly. So what they were doing in schools is presenting Christian teachers as murderers and rapists who took children, put them in incinerators and hanged them and tortured them and raped them and secretly buried them. And so in this one place in near Vancouver called Kamloops, British Columbia, beautiful little community like the Wild West and up in the mountains and so forth and, and grasslands and beautiful area. They said that these Christian teachers that came by boat from Europe to teach them for very little money, if any, did all these horrible things. And, and so what I did, and, and I, surprisingly, um, <laughs> I, I'm alone in doing this in all of Canada, is I said that's not true, that any child that died in any school for Indigenous children, for Native children, died for, from natural causes and mostly from diseases like tuberculosis, which is a very big problem across Canada a hundred years ago, but particularly with native children who don't have the same immunity to European diseases. But the, um, and the, and the more died on the reserves who weren't in school. There are just as many who weren't in school as there were at these residential schools. And the ones who weren't at the schools died in even greater numbers. So they had nothing to do with the schools, but they want to have, there's this appetite as you in the Western world to have, to demonize capitalism to demonize Christianity, demonize Western civilization, enlightenment values, even demonize to make make um, corrupt academic values, which makes no sense. I'm someone who has a doctorate from the University of Toronto. I'm an educated person. I, I'm, I take pride in, in what I've learned, and I hope to impart that to to others, this idea that everything I've learned is wrong and everything about me is wrong is a little bit hard to say. So what got me fired, essentially, 
is simply saying the kids died from disease. You mentioned 100 years ago, that was the same story in Europe. Tuberculosis was very bad all around, or the same story when the majority of the Europeans went to the Americas, same story, and it was not necessarily the bad people. There were a lot of bad people, of course, but the majority were right and good people, I think. What I don't understand, it's very easy to decide, because let's dig some graves, and uh, TBC, tuberculosis, can be checked from the bones. It's very simple to check. What I read about this is that people did not necessarily find these mass graves. They did not necessarily find such things what uh, this new uh, dogma, this new Trudeau God say that, oh, this is what, how you should treat the people and you are a scum. Which is very interesting because this black-faced person who dressed like a pink Hitler many times, <laughs> he does not necessarily veer indigenous face. If anything, he resembles more to a white person, or if not, then yes, we as Cuban. But yeah. Well, but that, but this, this, the thing that's most interesting to me about my story isn't anything to again about me and it's terrible. I was being fired for speaking truthfully about the past. What's fascinating about it is that because I'm not alone now, there are all sorts of other people across Canada, including a lot of professors and lawyers and judges and people of all professions who are going, this is, this is an outrage. You can't falsify history and get away with it. So we're saying, prove it. If you're going to say these dead Christian teachers, these priests and nuns in Kamloops and now all across Canada, because they said that they, they, at first they said 215, but in no time at all, it was 10,000, 15,000, 25,000 or more in mass graves and being killed, they haven't found it. They haven't found a single body. So they're saying in all these schools, and they're using a radar system, ground penetrating radar, which is all it detects is a soil disturbance, which is rocks or roots or who knows old farm equipment. But but shovels are inexpensive. A shovel can easily be bought for I don't know forty dollars. And you can dig up the soil and you can see if this is true or not. They're not doing that with the exception of three places. There's only three places where they've dug up and they found nothing. And so the other ones know not to dig up. They don't want to find anything because they know it's not true. So it's a great way to make money because Trudeau is all about giving all sorts of money to the minorities. And just let me just say one other thing, uh, Neil Bourne, if I may. Europeans, (laughs) you're such a nice man. Europeans came here long ago and they conquered and they took this land from the people who were there. Now, the people who were there did the same thing because they came in different waves beginning as maybe as many as 15,000 oh, years yes. ago. Yes, so yes, the yes. original inhabitants of North America, we call the Clovis, they've long since disappeared. We know we're all a mix. I know that I'm part, and so are you, part Neanderthal, uh, um, a hominid race of people that have disappeared. We're a mixture. We all have migrated. All humans come out of Africa I don't think you could unravel history and say everybody who migrated to another place and ended up acculturating or assimilating others into their own culture are bad people. 
in many ways were good people. Those that did that because, and in the case of, of North America, a lot that was brought here, the wheel, literacy, numeracy, education, and on and on and on. The first Europeans that came here, they built hospitals, they built schools, they gave their lives up to try and give give the people here a longer life, a better life, to, to take all of them and to say that they were all horrible, colonialist, imperialist, brutal European, whatever, murders. Um, it's just so such a horrible thing to say to young people because it gives young people the impression that that most people are are evil, and and that's not my experience. My my experience living in Canada, and I've had some tough times, like most people. One recent example for me is I my hips gave out, so I've got new hips. In Canada, I went into the hospital twice completely free, didn't pay a dime. I've got brand new hips. I can walk again properly. Everybody that treated me was nice as can be. The nurses, the doctors and others, the the government that paid for these services. I am so lucky to be living in Canada. And my grandmother and grandfather told me long ago that they felt the same, very lucky. So why would we tell school children today just because of some woke nightmare dystopia, why would we tell them today that that all people in Canada are racist and in the past we were murderers and committed genocide? And every member of parliament, every member of our federal government, Canadian government, voted to call the schools that were given freely over to Native kids as an, an act of genocide. So many things in this story, and I appreciate that you share it in such a nice, eloquent way, instead of uh, going full rage, mad mouth, <laughs> like with these things. Okay, let's let's put this together. Why Canada is famous? Why people like Canada? It's a little bit funny, I know. Ryan Reynolds for the new generations, yeah? Or Mike Myers for our generation, <laughs> yeah? Uh, everybody who is famous in Hollywood is Canadian, yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> and and uh, people in America, they don't. I mean, even even the fighter jets, what the U.S. is now giving to Ukraine for the fake war, is is technically from Canada. That was invented there. Everything is coming from there. And yes, the maple syrup, which I <laughs> I am not exactly a fan of that. And you have these wastelands where you can maybe the one of the last lands where you can get really lost with no no reception, and for days you can only meet the bears, or worse. And then and that's beautiful. And I think people can't even uh, comprehend how vast land it is over there, because it's much bigger. I mean, than anything else, what we know in our cities. The other thing what comes to mind is that, uh, yes, we are all a mix, because that's normal. Vikings came to Rouen, okay, and many of the things, but, but who cares the color? I mean, color is just beautiful and basically a protection. At uh, the jungle, you have a wider nose because you need more air. If you leave uh, uh, next to the Inuits, then you have the smaller nostrils because you don't want to waste that much. Uh, that much heat from your body. It's brilliant. and But we are all the same. And you, maybe traveling to another continent 
uh, only enlarges the immaturity and either the evil or the goodness in everybody. And maybe that is why you mentioned Wide West uh, for a village nearby you. And uh, that was not a bad place. What is depicted from that, it was a bad place. But it was more a free land. And uh, yes, Europe probably was a new cradle of science, the new cradle of knowledge. And a lot of people went through, for generations, a lot of bad things. Not just the Black Plague, not just uh, the Dark Middle Ages, the feudalism. And they wanted to do better. Hence, America happened. Yeah, And basically, Europe stopped the Arabs to take over. So that's why America could happen. Canada could happen. I absolutely like it. And then when you... A couple of decades later, experience what a lot of Europeans experienced earlier. And yes, the Cubans and South America also, and many in Asia. That new doctrines are coming. And okay, now, tomorrow, let's hate the people with glasses, yeah, the Red Khmers. Let's kill everybody with glasses because they are the bad people. That happened. Millions of people were killed. Okay, so and now the Great March yeah, with uh, with Mao Zedong, yeah? we will decide from now on or the Holodomor was Stalin invented in nowadays we call it Ukraine. And now you have this new dogma to say, okay, the new God is this. This is, you know, from now on the New Testament is not this. It's a wrong text. You will have to have this. And I can't see people saying that, okay, I love my teacher, I love Jim, I know Jim, Jim is not like that. So if Jim says something, I, I know he, he taught me, he taught my children for years, so I'm standing with Jim because we have a connection, I know that he's not lying. I can't see, at least in a large number, I can't see people saying the right way, we disagree, and you are there, Miss Trudeau, because of our money. And yes, because of your other corruptions. But yeah, you mentioned that how well working society you have because uh, your taxation, your tax money, you can have a new heap. You can get back something from the forced tax paying. And, and that's beautiful. And as you said, as you said, your, your parents experienced the very same thing. So there is something what usually is not in many other countries. There is a perpetuity of something you can rely on. And maybe this is why Canada was a more peaceful choice for a lot of people who wanted to try to live a little better than before. Do you think it is because the people are more tame over there? Or is it because they are scared by now, because the fear mongering was successful in the last couple of years? Or are they apathetic as in the UK? Because that's for sure. So I don't advocate the French style to say no to a government and burn everything down. I don't advocate that one. But still a kind of counter pressure needs to happen. If you kick a ball, the sphere will distort, but immediately the pressure wants to equalize. This is how a ball works. But if you don't, then it will be a flat ball and you can't play the game. And the communist and every oppression works that way, that is pressure, pressure, pressure. Every, uh, the evil will always push you until you push back the right way. You can't use its technique. 
you have to find the difference. So why do you think people are not responding in greater numbers against this stupidity? Well, you asked a very good question. I, if I could just go sideways just for a second, because I thought there's just something that, that I just, it was so interesting. Your ears might find it interesting. You know, I was cut it out, suppose. But I went from, you're talking about Canon, this vastness, and it's trying to, I'm trying to give you the answer about why is it that Canadians are so compliant and aren't rising up or aren't resisting this new dog and this new ideology that is really harmful because it's putting literally putting people in jail. When we had our truckers rally, the woman who led it, she was in, in solitary confinement. She was in jail for 49 days. But four of those days, she was in solitary confinement where she was sleeping on a concrete floor. For, for doing something that most Canadians, now the media won't tell you this, but most Canadians were behind because they felt the COVID restrictions were absurd. That Trudeau was like, a, he just wanted to lock everybody up. <laughs> it's all about Trudeau dancing upon the world stage. But just this one thought I had that I thought was interesting. So I was driving from Vancouver to Kamloops, where this story, pretend story of all these dead children didn't happen, even though the New York Times and anyhow, Washington Post, all sorts of newspapers around the world that talked about mass graves and all these dead children when there's not a single missing child. There's not a single dead child. There's not a, there's no evidence of none of that. There's only evidence of teachers doing their best for students. And they were carefully monitored schools anyhow. So this is complete fiction. So I got in my car in Vancouver and I drove to Kamloops, which is about four hours. You start going up the mountains. There's a period of about an hour and a half drive, maybe a little less, but close to an hour and a half drive. There's no building. There are no buildings. There's nothing. So if you don't have a full tank of gas and, and you, your car breaks down, you're in trouble. There, there is nothing, as you said, but bears and wolves and nature. It's just amazing. So Canada is this, this incredible landscape with such diversity and so much clean water and, and open forest and, and the, the, the animal life. And anyhow, it's a great country in that way. So why, why are we trying to spoil it? So I'm going to answer your question. I think all those things that you said, maybe people are political, maybe people are afraid about losing their jobs. Maybe, maybe people don't, maybe there's, um, maybe they're too polite. That was anything you said. Like there's so many things about Canadians that I don't fully understand. Although I think I'm pretty typically Canadian um, because generally with a Canadian and you've seen it from our hockey, but Canadians play the same rough sports that other people do. And we live in a big kind of rough frontier land where you got to be careful sometimes stepping out the door because there are dangers out there, whether it's excessively cold temperatures in the wintertime or wolves or whatever it is. It's you just, you, you got to be careful. And, and so we're not people who are easy to push over. I, I, I pity the country that ever decides to invade Canada because I think they'll prove to that they'll realize that it was a big mistake because we're a lot tougher than we come across. Um, but, but, but we are lucky by geography and history and, and, and this bounty of natural resources that we, we don't really, 
We don't really know what it's like for how other people live. We have illegal immigration, but it's like that compared to other places of the world. So we can say, oh, here, come on in and stay in a hotel. And so we don't really know how other people live. But that doesn't mean that we have less strength and less metal. So I can't give you a better explanation because you already gave me three really interesting reasons yourself um, as to why Canadians aren't fighting this. All I can say to you is one of the reasons you gave is the one that I am most wedded to. And that is that people in Canada and anywhere else want to fit in and want to be successful. And it's really hard as a teacher, my profession, if you're going against a stream. So in a communist society, as evil as that was, most people learn to adapt to it. Otherwise, life would have been difficult. So I, I understand I understand that. I, I understand 500 years ago, it would have been a very good idea to have been a Christian in Western Europe because otherwise you could be burned. It could have been burned. Or, so we, we, know, we know that. And it's not a good time to be a homosexual in the Muslim world or, um, or someone who's... Um, and I could go on, but the, the, my, so conformist impulses are powerful everywhere in every stage in history. In Canada today, it is so powerful, this dogma that all groups have to be equal and we have to do less for some groups and more for other groups. So if there is a killing by a white police officer against a black criminal, as in the United States with George Floyd, then the whole society has to get upset by that. But if there are 10 black police officers killing 10 white criminals, then nobody talks because it doesn't fit into that narrative. So this is what's happening to just coming back to me as a teacher. So the moment I said something that was factually true, which was that Christian teachers, priests and nuns long ago did their best to give people who didn't have literacy and numeracy, didn't have any education, a chance to fit into the modern world. I, I, as soon as I said that, I was going against the, the dogma. And then there's, I have, there's a nurse in my province who's, who was simply saying that there are boys and girls and she's about to lose her job. I know teachers that have, for a nurse to worry about losing her job because she likes J.K. Rowling, because J.K. Rowling said, something that people didn't like about um, trans movement. Then there's a teacher in Ottawa named Chanel Fall, who's quite famous now, um, like me, just not, not intending to be, but she didn't understand why all kids in schools were being indoctrinated into race, that all white children were bad and oppressive and committed microaggressions. And, and she didn't. And then all others were, it was equally bad because if you're a black kid, then you're always going to be victimized and never really amount to something because society was against you. So in other words, this critical race theory that she was fighting against wasn't uh, really wasn't good for any child in the classroom. Anyway, I could give many more examples. My, my point is simply, and then well, I guess billboard Chris has become well known to as a Canadian to many people outside that he doesn't understand why they're giving um, puberty blockers to eight-year-olds in schools or the, the endorsement of schools. And that is incredibly sinister 
And uh, if we check back the history, it is nothing new. It started a hundred years ago after you, the eugenics, you know, in the early nineteenth, early twentieth century, in America. And uh, it's very corrupted and very evil how it started out with some broken-minded people. And now, after a couple of decades of mine work in the background, this is their fruition. And I'm not against uh, saying that, okay, there are unrighteousness, we have to balance the things out. But come on, just read and listen Thomas Sowell, you know, the professor who is not necessarily a white person, if it means anything. <laughs> and he had a pretty rough childhood. And still, he's a professor, has more than 50 books published. The first book took 17 years for him to be published, but he did not roll over because he wanted to create his own style and language. And so he always says that, no, that's wrong because, it, okay, he's American, but still, that you can do that. If you really want to do that, you can do that. And when people say, oh, yeah, the white boys or white girls like this, check the athletics. That's always not the white people, yeah? Usually it is the black people stronger because that's that's how it is being. Nobody argues with them and, and that's okay. So we have the tennis, they have the basketball, that's simple. And sometimes we meet somewhere in how between. I think there is a reason why these uh, critical race theory and all these other agendas are so vamped up by the government. The secret is there, what you said. You said that Canada is strong, hidden but strong. So it's polite people, but don't come to fight with us. And yes, I understand that. However, it is not about you, not about me. It's about the upcoming, the generation Z, the generation Alpha. If you weaken the mind of the upcoming generations, you doom a whole society. You don't, the evil doesn't have to fight with you or me. It is kind of inconvenience for them that there is a resistance. But in 20 years, the people who are entering now to the taxpaying field, or they are learning and they will be the taxpayers and the voters, they have this questioned mind or they will have this thing, okay, we haven't fought in the war, we don't know, but this is what we hear from all around, we never experienced otherwise, so this is our reality. And maybe the most sinister here is that they will go and lynch the people who have more grounded opinions, like yourself or us, and this is how, I might be wrong here, but this is how the circle of the evil works here. That, uh, all right, so let's pit the people against each other, but not the way as we do it in America that, oh, Democrats against Republicans. No, 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 no. The young generations will murder the older ones, mentally, in words, or physically. Maybe this is the agenda. I fully subscribe to everything you've said, Neil Bourne, that you have to be very careful because autocracies or dictators or any anybody with ill intention that wants to, to convert a large part of the population to serve his or her own interests is going to go after the most vulnerable sector of the population, which is children. Coming back to something you said earlier, why is it that so many people aren't resisting? Well, to some extent, it is wrong. <laughs> it is, and it's striking. I am the only teacher that I know of who, who is working 
I, I'm, there are some that since have been forced out or retired. But while working was saying, no, I'm not going to tell kids that they're the, the gender stuff, that there is no thing boys and girls. I'm not going to put them into uh, racial buckets. I'm not going to teach the fact that in, Indigenous people knew more than us and were right about how, how there was genocide against them. And we were just evil. I'm not going to lower academic standards and not not challenge kids anymore and just get them through. That way we make sure that there's enough black and and um, and, and indigenous or whatever group is considered to be less achieving. They're all reaching the same standard. Therefore, let's have no standards so everybody gets through. I, I hate the idea that schools are censoring literature. Even as you know, um, you know Dr. Seuss, and um, so, and Roald Dahl and Charlie and the Child. It's just absolutely extraordinary that falsification of history. These are all things that I thought about in the school system in a short time because up until then, I kept my mouth shut. And the reason I did that is I wanted to be promoted. I wanted to, I wanted to have a better paying job. I wanted to be respected by my peers. I wanted to have opportunities. And then when I realized suddenly that it was a few years ago that it wasn't going to happen to me because of my age and because of my skin color, whatever it was about me, um, that I ended up doing what I should have probably done long, much earlier. And that was just being vocal and saying, no, you don't indoctrinate children. They have to come to their own conclusions. They need to think about things. If we talk about whether it's a genocide <laughs> The, the false genocide of um, um, Indigenous kids or any other problem in Canada, um, such as disrepresentation, um, misrepresentation of um, uh, Black people in prisons or of Native people and you know, uh, committing suicide or whatever, that we should, the goal should not be to accept or reject a position on the contentious issue. Understudy is to understand the issue is to, to come to one's own conclusions, is to test one's ideas against other people's ideas. The world is full of problems. We're seeing that, obviously, near where you are right now in a full-scale war in Ukraine. And, and we're, we're seeing that in, in starvation and religious strife and, 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 and all sorts of problems right across the continent of Africa. We're seeing that in, in all sorts of problems in Canada, increasingly hard for people just to, to have the basic necessities of life, which is to afford food and have a roof over one's head and so forth. And to get a job. These are real problems. That's what we should be addressing. That's what we need the young generation to do, to, to be trained and to turn their attention toward the problems that's going to make life better for you and me, but more importantly, for them. But they're not doing that in schools. They're memorizing the colors and the pride flag. Oh, yeah, that's that's the Prussian. That's the Prussian education. Then, then you and that's uh, this Prussian method is all around now. Even in, now in China, they have these uh, these uh, machines on their head which uh, detect their eye movements. There are no teachers, and they are just basically. Uh, it's so shocking to see because it's hard to accept. It's already happening. And or if you go to uh, Korea, they have even for uh, elementary school children 16 hours basic training and then at home five to six hours more. That is absolutely killing the body. Or if you go to Japan and all around, 
and life is not happening. Basically, I like calling it a dead education system, which create only zombies or cogwheels. And uh, human existence, the experience of human existence, what you describe, where we really ignite the spark in each other to have a meaningful communication or discover the world around together, which is amazing because it can be done again and again because they all have different inputs. And we talk about the same elephant, but it's still a different elephant because different viewpoints. And it could be amazing what I feel, and uh, I don't know what you think about this. History is cut off. A new, a new history is given without the real roots. And when people are becoming rootless because of indoctrination, because of the lack of traditions, because the generations are not living together anymore, there are no villages together, there is no interest or no energy anymore for people to best more the the traditions, uh, not just the folk, but family traditions, no furnitures for more generations, like in Switzerland, you, dis- you said you were there, or many, just like crazy. And then these ruthless people become ruthless because we have no connections. And we, when we are drifting, then we have no perception about the reality of life. We are easily manipulated or manipulate ourselves we uh, drift with emotions very easily, very easily directed to other directions that we don't even know. And we commit things in a normal scenario no person would do. You mentioned the kids. Look at the knifings in London all around or even worse things. Or they could go deeper on that one. Do you think there is an agenda or a trend to cut off the roots of the people, the families, and also the generations and the land. Because in one way, if you move to an urbanized area, you are cut off from the night sky, the soil, everything. And then you are a part of a big incubator where you are just another piece of meat or soil and green soon or whatever. So do you think there is an agenda or everything happens by an accident now? Well, I I think to some extent, you know, it's not well thought out. So there is an agenda. Um, I, I want to relate it to French philosophers, to postmodernism, to political correctness, to uh, a resurgence of communism, of maybe it's the, the positive intention of people not wanting to offend others, the safetyism, the idea that we need to protect people and we protect people, but not only shielding them physically from harm, but shielding them mentally. So there's all these forces in our society. And then, of course, there's the self-interested people, like our prime minister just wants more people to vote for him. And he thinks the way to do that is to say everybody else is shit. Everybody else has done terrible things to to you and to uh, these groups in particular. But look at me. I'm the ultimate virtue singer. I'm dancing upon the earth stage. Follow me, everybody. And I'll, even though I wear blackface in private, I'm going to take you to this promised land where it's going to be better. But if you take people anywhere without thinking, then as you know, it could be led into something that's, uh, that is really pretty horrible. So I think, again, coming back, what, what's of interest to me 
more than anything else, because this is who I am, is my area of expertise. There's a lot of things I don't know. But what I do know well is what we should do for children in schools. And we should make them impenetrable, invincible in this war against bad ideas. There are always going to be bad ideas. There are always going to be people who are going to take advantage of children in all sorts of different ways. So we need to steal children against that. And the way to do that more than any other is to have open, free discussion about everything. Because there isn't ever one right way of saying. You can't say to kids, oh, you'll be safer if you never travel. Because there's value in traveling. But there's also danger. So, so my point is simply this, is to have an educational system, which we did have. This is why a lot of early Hungarian immigrants, starting after 1956 anyway, were very happy to come to Canada because... Because people could, Hungarian intellectuals come to Canada and be communists, and some became communists. Some became very right wing. Some became all over. My three of my Hungarian friends in high school became medical doctors. My point is, you could be all sorts of different things. You were, it was a free country. And that's what we need. We need people to be continually vigilant against ideas that are harmful to society. And that can't happen when they fire teachers like me. They took away my job. The moment I said something that went against this, this dogma of Canada is a bad country um, toward minorities, as soon as I went against that, they've taken me away, uh, away from the ability to tell kids, say, hold on a second, kids. I don't care what people say to you. I'm not restricting their ideas. But you need to hear what I have to say because I'm, I am someone who is wanting you to read great literature. I'm wanting you to listen to what other people have to say. I'm wanting you, you touched on some interesting things. This deconstructionism that comes from Derrida and Foucault and all these crazy philosophers, maybe all the way back to Rousseau, maybe, maybe long before them. But the, the, this idea that there's something wrong with our society, that we, that we need to deconstruct the nuclear family. We need to get rid of all religion. We need to get rid of, of, Anything that, and anybody that's European in any position of responsibility, the moment you start breaking apart a society like that, then, then it's vulnerable being replaced by something that's, that's not better, but, but worse. And, and so all, all yes. I represent, all I represent in, in my little world, and, and I know a guy like you, in everything you say, I find fascinating because we're obviously the same mindset. But nothing I have said has made you say, you know, Jim, you shouldn't say that. Or nothing you said, I'm going, oh, why did you? The reality is we're just interested in listening to each other for a few minutes. But that's the whole point. That's the whole point, to discover the world together, just like in science. Science is not a fixed thing. Science is, hey, let's invite each other and discover again the things one more time and share the outcome, challenge each other. That's the science. Teaching, education should be the very same thing because, okay, textbooks can be helpful, but to implement the, 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 the seed of a chance to be able to have a new thought when somebody grows up 
well, and that thought never existed before. That's creation, that's co-creation, that's something what is magical. And I think this is why, for example, teaching has a right to exist in the 21st century. We don't need educators who just basically repeat in a textbook. They can be replaced by ChatGPT or whatever. I mean, maybe better success. I don't know. But without critical thinking, without you mentioned Walter Russo or, and others, without pe- people who who actually question the idea of Malthusianism and say, okay, so let's explain without people saying, hey, in 1950, people said that the, the Atlantic Ocean current slows down and in 70, 80 years, there will be climate belt changes. Without people uh, who, who put the pictures together, and maybe you and I, maybe we, we miss a lot of things and maybe the children or the young generation could help us say, hey guys, you were good, but hey, check this out. And maybe together we can put, it's like a fireplace, a big bonfire when we feed the fire together. But after a while, people need to bring wood and twigs from different places because we already used what we had before and we can't find easily other things. And uh, one thing that came to mind, this word, when you described uh, your job was confiscated from you and the children really missed the opportunity to find a new way through you for themselves, is the identity. And I think that's the whole point. The government and the people who are hmm, abusing the power of the government in local or greater level, they confiscated your identity as a teacher and because that's a great part of you, then they are also confiscating the identity partly as being a Canadian and being a human person. And of course, I'm sure that you had a self-check, okay, what did I do wrong or whatever, but it is just too much. Instead of having, hey, hey, Jim, uh, would you like mind to come for a tea and or coffee or a maple syrup? And, you know, I just shut a move, so let's eat together or whatever. And then have a seance and, and share ideas. Because, look, government wants us to, to tell this. So can we find somewhere where it won't be in the books, but, you know, just play it for two sides and then we will be okay. But I find it did not happen, not? Well, you've said so many absolutely fascinating things, so my mind is racing. But I, I just want to, the one that I'd like to address, if, if I can, and I, um, to about older people. So when you go into school and you're 23-year-old or 21-year-old starting teacher, whatever age, one is you tend not to know much about the subject that you're teaching. And then you get to be an oh, old, yeah, it, that's just natural because, yeah, you go through university for four years, five years six years, but you don't, doesn't mean you've really lived and really read much. And you just memorized what the professor wanted you to. And a lot of professors are being hired right now because they're, they're, they're just spewing absolute nonsense in all sorts of subjects. And, and uh, so anyhow, I, a lot of the young teachers really don't know their subject. And so in my area of history, when you talk to a 23 year old teacher, I, I keep thinking, Oh my gosh, that's, that was me at 23. I really didn't know. I, I, if I was teaching about the French Revolution, I'd read a little bit about the night before because I didn't know anything about it. And then I'd pretend in class the next day, oh, here's this is what the French Revolution was about. But you really didn't know your subject well. And that's it. So here I go. And then you get into your 60s. That was me. And you spent years reading books and testing your ideas with others and doing all sorts of other things. And in my case, I've done a lot of research, had a lot of publications. 
And, and, and I'm, man, I'm, I'm older. I'm, 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 I, I have allowed me to say it like other people my age, I'm a little wiser than I was when I was younger. But that's, but that's what the school system doesn't want anymore. They don't want anyone that might know better. The, the people who they go against in Canadian schools, but I know this is true in the Western world, it's not the 23-year-old teacher who says the wrong thing because they all, well, we can work with that teacher. We can get that teacher to, with carrots and sticks to move in the right direction. But what do you do with a teacher like me who's old enough to say, Nothing matters. I don't really need the money anymore. I really don't need anything. But but the truth of what's best for my students, that's what got, I'm not, nothing motivates me. So they said to me, we're going to take away your job unless you apologize and, and talk about history differently. Why? I So that what's most shocking is they're getting rid of the old people in all sorts of professions in Canada. And I'm saying it's true anywhere because because they're doing things that you're doing. You're reflecting and, and, and you're, and you're looking at things in a different way and you're bringing in all this distilled wisdom from things you've read or experienced or saw long ago in your own life. That's what older people do. And it makes a richer discussion. But the problem with schools is they don't want that discussion. They want, they don't want kids to think. They want kids to know a certain way of looking at the world. And, and that's so wrong. You just, you're boxing kids in intellectually. This way, if you keep doing that for a long while, like let's say 16 years in the public education system or longer, it depends, then you break their mind. It's a torture to sit six to eight hours at least. Even adults can't do that. That's a torture. And it breaks the mind, breaks the soul and, uh, and breaks the normal growth of, a, of, of any child. Or any adult, by the way, ask any adult who would go for an evening school for a class to, to have a better job. That's impossible to do that. Yet we expect the children to do so. And we forgot that, hey, education is not indoctrination. Education is not that, okay, I will scarp you. I will scarp you as uh, you are coming from a plastic factory in China. It should be individual. It should be unique, never before and never again. Because the creation of God, without going to religious here, is 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 one of a kind. It is not repeatable. Because if if, if something is a clone, then it is uh, expandable. Then it's it's over, and that would be a waste. And I think the genuine curiosity is missing. From the children, of course, because you kill them. I mean, the, the children in the kindergarten, maybe in the preschool, they have these beautiful eyes and they want to know. Check with a, with a late middle schooler or check with a high schooler. It's gone. It's gone. They have this completely numb attitude. And the adults, we, we have to find, we have the midlife crisis to serve that, okay, so we had a shitty life for 20 years. This is what we missed in our childhood. And then there's a 20 years gap. Okay, who am I? What am I doing? Uh, what is my purpose? And then we uh, fork up our relationships with each other. If we are lucky, we be with our partner. If not, well, we have 20 others and we commit the same mistakes without fixing ourselves first. And, and that's where the whole society is... Uh, is, is, is missing out because, uh, because we don't know who we are individually. 
we don't know as a community what we are standing for because it's always changing. Now we have Trudeau, so we change for that. Now we have the China, the, the new China. Now we have this new direction. <laughs> we, and then we will stand for that and for that. And okay, so now let's, okay, I like Jordan B. Peterson, so let's rebel. But it's not the way because there's Jordan B. Peterson. It's, it's, not, it's not your fight. You can stand for somebody. They can support you, of course. And they say, okay, this shiny guns we don't want anymore. We need open discussions in this and these uh, frames, but nobody can fight your fight. And that's, that's right. Everybody should focus on themselves in this aspect. They say, okay, so in, in uh, at my job, I'm a truck driver, and I am not allowed to communicate freely in my, my radio. Then let's fix that one. But we can stand for each other. We can support each other. But without fixing ourselves, without finding the the will to fix ourselves, we we will not be able to stand against the brutes. They will all exist. If I could just say the truckers in Canada who got attention, all they were protesting against is the fact that they weren't able to survive financially because of all the restrictions and going across the American border. It was such a reasonable thing for them to be upset with. And all of a sudden they were labeled as these insurrectionists, as these revolutionaries who were going to take over the Canadian government. And, and it's, anyhow, it's, there's so much falsehood in our society. So that's the, the one thing that, and, and I, I, that I really wanted to, to, to leave you with is what makes me different from another teacher? Yeah, maybe in some ways I'm, I, I stood out and said, talked about all the things that were wrong, all the indoctrination, and a lot of other teachers didn't. But I, I don't think I'm any more courageous. I just think I'm older <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and, not, and, and, and not in a position where I, anyone can take anything away because they can take my job away. But they're not taking about what you're just talking. They're not taking away anything about me. I, I'm, I'm, um, if anything, I believe in more strongly in myself as an educator. Um, being out of work because I know that um, because I've attracted a, a crowd behind me and, and I know that there are other people that, that want to be like me in the classroom, which is to be able to have kids think better, not think this way or that way, think better. So just one example I could give to you about me and how I get into trouble and maybe explain how I got into trouble, but this is how I am as a parent, as a neighbor, as a citizen any and particularly as I am when I as a mentor of children is I want people to think better and 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 I very grateful to those particularly those who are more intelligent than I who've worked hard to make me think better so I'll so sometimes I teach young kids and I walk into the classroom and I'll say to them and I remember doing this one day and I said to them you know I'm the best teacher because the kids are, even in grade one, sometimes they're bored. Or yeah, I know it's worse in high school, as you were saying. But they can be bored. They, they don't know what to expect. And they, they just want to be kept busy. And they don't really want to engage with what the teacher is interested in. Anyhow, so I said to them, you're very lucky, kids, because I'm the best teacher in the world. And some of the kids are going, and they go, oh, maybe, maybe he is. <laughs> you know, but they're interested in it. <laughs> but there's always one kid who says right away, no, you're not. And I, and I look at that kid and I said, that's, that's great. You're thinking for yourself. And, and I want you to do that. I want you to bring that. That's it. You're an individual. You have your needs. You have your interests. You have your whatever experiences, 
tribulations, complexes, deficiencies, whatever it is. You, you are you. And I want you in my costume to fit in. I want you to feel in some way well served by me as your teacher. So at any time, I am not doing a good job of teaching you in, in whatever way. Let me know. I want this to be a, a Socratic type experience of me asking questions and pointing the way. But, they, but they're as much a part of that journey as I am. I, I, I just, I love their metaphor about the fire. A fire needs new material. And, and, and only other people can bring that and, and not those sitting in the fire. So this is, that's me. And, and, and clearly, Neil Bourne, that's you. And I'm just so, again, uh, touched and, and proud that, that you reached out to me um, because you're helping me. You're helping me and you're helping anybody else who's a dissident voice in Canada and maybe elsewhere um, who is being attacked by a mob of people who aren't thinking. They're not realizing the value of having people with different perspectives. And, and, and no knowledge, nothing gets better with that compliant, we talked about at the very beginning, this whole discussion come full circle. Nothing changes unless people are wanting to make changes. Yes. So you shouldn't fire me. You should say, no, he's lived long enough that he probably has something of value. And he certainly knows more about residential school experiences for, for um, Native children, Indigenous children in Canada, because he did a PhD in the area. And yet I'm the one that they get rid of and they say, no, the Native knowledge keepers are the, uh, are the ones that we listen to. And those people at this time, for whatever reason, I think it has to do with money, are saying things that aren't true. But I don't blame them. I believe blame people like Trudeau, who's trying to find them to come up with reasons to discredit not just our institutions, not just our country, but the whole Western way of being. But that is how they steal the hope from the rest of the world, as we talked before. Because it's okay, Canada is a country, of course, a beautiful country. But what's the point if you listen to it in the UK, if they listen to it in Australia? What's the point to listen to this one? The point is that there is a good pattern, there's a good example. Canada used to be that one, and now there is a turmoil. It is not an easy one. Because people now we say, yes, we all individuals, please, big brother, tell us what to think, what to say, because we want to comply, because we need the money. And that's it. Uh, there's this saying, if you give a badge to a little person, the next day, that person won't recognize you. And this is happening. Yeah, this is how they pit people against each other. This is where you have the housing crisis, you have the living crisis. People are so much on the edge and for little breadcrumbs, they will show their true colors. And this is how we experience that they really betrayed long friendships or whatsoever. Turns out they were not enough mature to be friends with. But the thing here is, do you remember the movie, the Sidney Poitier movie, when he uh, was uh, an older teacher and retired, and there was this very rascal student. He had to go for the, I think it was for the graduation, whatever. You remember the movie? I think a little bit what you were talking about, I think that's you, in a way. 
Of course, it's a different story, but at least in the emotional level, it's you. That's your Sidney Poet, your character, that you, even today, you are not giving up, you're finding ways, and you don't want to battle with the nonsense because you don't, it's not your fight. It's not your fight. It's the children's fight or the parents of the children's fight. Hey, we want James. We want the real stuff. We don't need this bullshit. We don't need the moose goo. We don't need that. So we don't need that. And and I think that's that's the whole point. What a Sydney Poitier is, yes, it's ice cream. Americans, that's an ice cream, okay? Gen Z, you have no idea. Forget this. And and then just I like I like picking up on chances because prove otherwise. And the the, the thing is then then that that's the whole point. Because uh, you mentioned Socrates. It was not an easy life for him. We so we we think it was an easy for him. No, it was not bad not a good one. Yeah, he was mistreated so often. But now after that many years, people remember the core of that person. We have all the the wrongs, what we haven't fixed yet or whatsoever, or we can't, or we just uninterested to even figure out. But the core values, if they are right, and it seems you have the, your values right, the half time on your earth life now, then just, uh, then, then everything is okay. And people, children will find you, maybe because of this interview, maybe because of other things, maybe it's like a spiritual attraction, maybe you will find your own after school program, or whatsoever. And uh, now we have the internet, we have everything, you have a car, you can drive. So many things, 100 years ago, it was impossible to do. And then people can gather around the fireplace or a bonfire or whatever. And uh, while you are making a moose stew, then just you are really sharing the stories, the whole point. And then that is human existence. That's more valuable than any textbook. Yeah, you know, when you mentioned um, Sidney Poitier and the movie To Sir With Love, to me, what that symbolized more than anything else is a teacher who worked hard to try and serve every student in the classroom. I don't think you do that if you only present one perspective. The Dalai Lama once talked about the truth being like a, a diamond. Each facet, each side represents a part of that truth. I think children, just as much as you and me or anyone older, Children want to understand it. They want to know what's happening. They, they don't want to be fed something or only part of, of a truth. Yeah. They, they want to have open and frank discussion in the classroom. Of and course. again, it's just, and yet, and yet, allow me to get a little bit for a second here. They took away my livelihood for doing just that, for wanting children to feel that my classroom was of worth because because we are looking for the broader truth, uh, a broader understanding of whatever the subject was. And so it's absolutely criminal in my view that we've allowed people in Canada and elsewhere to run our government and our institutions, including our court system, who don't want that, who want to restrict people in their thinking. This is very Orwellian and it's going to is going to one day change because I'm not going to change and you're not going to change. No. And, and I, think, I think the two of us and many more people out there are going to make a difference. And you've helped me make a difference, Neil Bourne, by having me on your show. 
Yeah, thank you for saying that. We have good listeners, I can tell you this one. And we lost uh, the whole East Coast one day <laughs> and then the West Coast because we said things that were not comfortable for many people, but it's okay. So wh- wh- what's ahead of you? So are you challenging legally the things like Jordan Peterson or are you creating uh, uh, an after-school program or are you teaching online or you are tutoring private? So what's ahead of you? I can't work at all. What? Because... I can't work my, my as a teacher in any way because the regulatory body has to be contacted and the regulatory body is going to tell them that I'm under investigation. But and that you, I was what, what, what is it? It's not even happening in Russia. That's yeah. Even. So so my point is my <laughs> um, that my teaching certificate is like kryptonite to Superman. That the 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 that I can't I can't teach and I probably will never be able to teach again. But it doesn't matter because I have um, I, I, I'm, I'm in a comfortable enough position financially. The, the thing that I'm going to do um, is is not move from the position that I'm in, and I don't care what happens. I'm not going to strike a deal with anybody. I'm I'm going to fight anyone and anybody that tells me that there's something wrong with with me as a teacher, and that was my union. But I fought them for a few years, and now they're supporting me, and we're going to court called arbitration for union workers. So my unions come alongside, not fully, but they're but they know that I'm not changing at all. That they should have supported me 100% from the beginning, and and they're starting to understand that now. And they've given me two lawyers. The second lawyer is for my regulatory body, the people in British Columbia's got the teacher regulation branch, the teacher who can decide whether I can ever have a teaching certificate again. And and they're being absolutely talk about dogmatic and cruel, and people with pitchforks and torches who want to tie me to a stake, and those people are meeting fire back from me, and they can take away my certificate for the rest of my life, which they've threatened to do on several occasions, but I'm going public with everything they say, and yes. I am going to expose them, and the third group is not just my employer, the people that fired me. It's all school employers, all administrators, all superintendents, right? All school trustees, right across Canada and elsewhere, who think they can treat teachers in this way. Teachers should have a right to discretion, to autonomy, to to conscience. A teacher shouldn't be ashamed because he or she is Christian, or heterosexual, or or um, believes that there are only boys and girls. Um, teachers yeah. shouldn't be threatened like I would have been for years because I had the temerity to tell the truth about Canada's past, which is not perfect. But name a country that had a better past than Canada because Canada was the first place in the world where they tried to abolish 1793 slavery. And we didn't even have slavery here in, in any real sense. Canada has achieved so much. And I think we've acquitted ourselves in, in 20th century wars and in our charity and what we're doing today with, for countries all around the world, that we are good people. And if you're going to smear that, if anyone is going to say that Canada represents something bad, despite recent 
events and our terrible government right now, I'm going to stand in their way and I'm going to say, uh, you're wrong and let's have a debate. And I think more Canadians are going to be like that. They're going to turn around and they're going to say, wait a second, that's not the candidate that I remember and you're not going to change it at all. And, 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 and in no time at all, there's going to be like a network. It was American film. You may remember from the late seventies where all of you were throwing TVs. At, they're not, we're not We're mad as hell. We're not going to take it anymore. The, the woke, this, this new dogma, whatever you want to call it, it's, it's, it's an awful thing. I think it's, it's a form of totalitarianism, communism. I think one day it's going to be a footnote in history and people are going to ask themselves, how was this ever allowed to happen? Where people were being judged again on their skin color, on their religion, on their, on their sex, that children were being pushed toward having body parts cut off. Yeah. I, I just, I just don't get it, but it's going, it's going to the, and so they've done everything they can to me and they're going to do more if they can think of more things to do to me, but they're not going to succeed. Jimmy, yeah, I don't have a job, but it are, doesn't matter. You are Jimmy Balboa. That was Rocky Balboa. <laughs> Damn, uh, there's a Jimmy Balboa. And that's it. That's it. I mean, and I think that's, that's a beautiful conclusion here. After all, Without any license or with license, doesn't mind. You are still teaching by example, and that's the whole point. I'm teaching because you have given me the opportunity Anytime. to speak. That's the whole point. I, I, the whole point of my show and my whole existence is that uh, I miss the part when we sit down and we engage in meaningful conversations when we rediscover the world together and we learn from each other. And, and that's the whole point, because then there is no, no, no meaning of the human existence. We are so much cut off from each other. And then, then what, what remains? You know, I, I, I am not a person who will have this mental drug, binge watching or binge listening or whatever. You know, and, and that's it. So thank you for being here. And I hope whenever you want to come back, you will come back. Thank you very much. It's been an honor. This has been the Neoborn and Andia Human Show. 